peace or the, the lack thereof and how we can have peace with each other is, is a big topic today. You know, we see cars driving around with bumper stickers that say peace. We watch the news and we see people halfway across the globe demonstrating for peace. Um, we see beauty queens shallowly encourage world peace, you know. And we see people win Nobel Prizes because they fight for it. They fight for peace. And yet we look around. We look around this world. We look around our circumstances and, and we see precious, precious little peace, don't we? We don't see it in the news from around the world. We, uh, we don't really see a whole lot of it in this country. We don't see it in this city. And maybe you don't see it in your family. And sadly, very, very often, we, we don't see it at church either. Why is that? Why is that? You know, this morning here, we, we can't really address world peace and we will not solve the issues between Palestinians and, and Israel or the Catholics and the Protestants in Northern Ireland. But what we want to look at is why is it so hard for you and me to have peace with each other? And what does the Bible have to say about it? And one thing I want to, I want to say right at the beginning, you know, normally they, they tell you don't give the point away right in the beginning. But in light of that video, I want to, I want to ensure you of one thing. And we'll, hopefully we'll, we'll span the whole circle to that throughout this morning. But one thing is for sure, and the Bible is very clear about that. We, you and I, we can be at peace with each other. You can be at peace. We want to look at a, at a passage today um, from Ephesians 2, but before we do that, I would like to pray. You know, we're... Sorry. Talking about peace this morning, and I just don't sense any peace in my heart this morning. You know, the Bible talks about an enemy that we have calls him Satan, and he doesn't want us having peace and talking about peace. Uh, and I just sense it really strongly this morning. So I would just like to pray real quick. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for last week and what Dave shared with us that, uh, that we can have peace with you. We can have peace with the almighty God. The creator of the universe. And I thank you Lord that I and many of us have experienced that peace. Lord, your word says that you want us to have peace with each other, and that's such a great point of attack that, that the enemy has, is spreading lies and rumors and hatred between each other. 
and it affects us as a church. And uh, Lord, we just want to pray against that. And I want to pray this morning, Lord, that, that you would give me your peace, that your peace would be present here in the red and in the white warehouse. And Lord, that your truth would prevail this morning. And that we would see from your word how having peace with you can translate into having peace with each other. So I just pray for your anointing this morning. And that you would speak and not me. I pray that in your son's precious name. Amen. I'm really sorry. <laughs> just really raw this morning. So I want to I look at a passage with you in Ephesians chapter 2. And it's verses 11 through 22. And it's not the easiest of passages. Um, but I'm going to try and unpack it as, as good as I can for us this morning. So let's, let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision... Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him... We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Again, there's a lot of stuff in this passage, and it's not, not the easiest passage to understand, but I, I want to break it down into three essentials that we need to understand out of, this, out of this passage to have peace with one another. There's three essentials, and the first one I want to talk about is, is the fact that Jesus is the one that breaks down the walls and barriers of hostility. Jesus is the one that breaks down the walls of hostility. Again, in verses 11 through, through 13, 14, it says, Therefore remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised. Now, I had to explain to you maybe a little bit the, the um, dynamics between the Jews and the Gentiles. Gentiles was anybody that was not Jewish. And there was great hostility from both sides, the Jews had great hostility towards the, the Gentiles. There was really no, not to be any interaction between the two. They were, they were shunned. They were avoided at, at all costs. Um, they, they, they were looked down upon by the Jews. Um, they, 
it went so far that that in the temple in Jerusalem, which was the place that that the, that the Jews went to worship, they, there were different courts, different um, levels that people could enter. There was one place for Jewish men that was fairly close to the Holy of Holies um, where they could go and worship. And then a little bit further out where the women, Jewish women, could worship there. But women weren't really worth a whole lot during that time. They weren't valued very much. So they couldn't go as far as the Jewish men could go. And then quite a bit further out was the court of Gentiles. So Gentiles were, were worth even less at the time, valued even less than women. They were tolerated times, but they weren't really welcome. They were not embraced it went so far that we read um, in Josephus he was a Jewish ancient historian he writes this there was a an inscription on the wall um, when you entered from the court of Gentiles to the part that the Jews could go to and it said this on this inscription it said no foreigner may enter within the barricade that surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Right? The hostility went so far that they had to stay, stay out, um, and the penalty was death for violating that. In Acts 21, we read a story. I want to read this to you real quick to show you the, the intensity of this hostility. Acts 21 says this, When the seven days were nearly over, there was a, a, a feast in Jerusalem. Some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled this holy place. The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut while they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the riot, rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing, some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps of the temple, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. And the crowd that followed kept shouting away with him. This was intense hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles that we're reading about here in Ephesians 2. This was very, very serious. And do you know what it was that separated them from each other? What separated the Jews from the Gentiles was their pride. The Jews thought that their faith and their religious practices elevated them to a higher level, a level that allowed them to to look down upon everybody else. It was pride. And for the Gentiles, it was the prides and their achievement and their intellectual status and their, and their social status and power that made them look at the Jews with pride. And one thing that I think we, we need to understand and that the Bible is very, very clear about, pride will always, always stand in the way of peace. Pride will always stand in the way of peace. If you think back to the video we saw, every single conflict in there was caused because people act out of pride. 
Pride is at the center of all conflicts that you experience or that you observe. Pride is at, is at all conflicts between ethnic groups, between religious groups, racial groups, nationalities. It's at the conflict of religious conflict, even within the Christian denominations. Well, you baptize babies, we baptize adults. Well, we, we can't be together. You guys dress weird at K2. We can't fellowship with you. Can't you wear a suit and a tie? You, you play old hymns. I can't fellowship with you. Well, you play rock music. That can't be right. We do it right and you don't. And it's all this pride going around, putting hostility between us and, and building walls of hostility. I went to college with, with a girl. I went to a, a Bible college in South Carolina. Her parents, who were followers of Jesus, had cut off contact with her because she had left the denominational Bible college that her parents had wanted her to go to, to go to a non-denominational Bible college. She hadn't talked to them in over a year. Can you imagine that? Pride. And when we read here what Christ has done in Ephesians 2, there really is no room for pride. You know why? Because it says in verse 13, it says that Jesus has brought us near to each other. It's Jesus that, that, that reconciles us. There's nothing that we can do. It's Jesus that reconciles. In verse 14, we'll read that he has destroyed the barriers of hostility between us. It's Jesus that takes those down. Now, we often go and, and build them back up. But Jesus brings us to each other. Jesus breaks down the barriers and walls of hostility. You know, having um, grown up in Germany, I know a little bit about walls and separation. I remember growing up and first realizing, looking at the map, that, that there was two Germanys, you know, an east and a west, and, and you heard all kinds of things about the east and couldn't go there really and I remember as a young boy, I don't know how old I was, asking my father and said, Daddy, what's up with that? Why is that too Germany? And so he explained this to me and, and you know, how there's a different ideology there that they believe they have a better system and want to keep separate. And, and it was really weird. And he, I asked him, is that ever going to change? He said, nah, never. That's never going to change. And then I remember November 9th, 1989, I was 16 years old, and I was turning on the TV, and we only had three channels at the time, but there was the same thing on each channel. There was some weird wall that a crane was, was ripping out pieces of, and, and I, I couldn't quite place it. I know what was going on until I realized that finally that wall of division that had divided two parts that really belonged together was torn out after decades of separation and lies about each other and for the first time, I saw people walk through from east to west and just be embraced by their brothers and sisters on the other side. And I can tell you, to this day, that's one of the most emotionally charged events I've ever witnessed in my own life. Just to see two parts that belong together come together and to see that wall of hostility be taken away. Because one man, way back in Moscow, was finally willing to, to be, swallow some pride and do what was right. And in a sense, that is what Jesus has done for us. 
He's, he's taken away these walls of, of lies about each other and these walls of hatred that separate us. And yet we so often pick these bricks back up and, and build them back up, put them back together. But Jesus has broken the walls of pride, of hostility. And last week we heard about how, how that took place, how Jesus on the cross was a substitute for us and took away God's anger and gave us peace with each other. And because of that peace with each other, and that's what we read here in Ephesians 2, part of the purpose of the cross was, yes, to reconcile us. And that's why the, the cross has a vertical and a horizontal. He, he, he reconciled us vertically with God. But we read here in Ephesians that part of his purpose was to reconcile us horizontally with each other. And because of what he has done, because Jesus has broken these walls of, of hostility between us, we can have peace with each other in spite of what we see around us. You can have peace. And that brings us to the second essential. Jesus has broken down the walls. The second essential that we need to understand is, and we read it here in verse 14, that Jesus is our peace. See, so often we have a wrong definition of peace. Often we define peace as the absence of conflict. That's how I often describe, define peace in my own home. As long as my boys don't fight with each other, I'm good. It's peaceful. It's quiet. Oh, that's peaceful. But you know what? Peace is not the absence of conflict according to this. Peace is the presence of Jesus in a situation. That's what is peace. And real peace isn't achieved by, by our actions and what we do or don't do, real peace is achieved by infusing Jesus into a situation, into a relationship, into a conflict. I want to read these verses again here from, from Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose, again, was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Jesus is our peace. In the Old Testament, in, in the prophecies about him, he's called the Prince of Peace. So peace is more than, than what he has done. Somehow he is peace. And his presence in our life is peace in our relationships. He didn't just deliver us from, from fighting with each other. Somehow he has given us peace and wholeness and fullness in him. So what that means, if, if we are followers of Jesus and we have accepted him and he has, he has entered our lives and our hearts, that means we have peace, his peace available in us as long as we have put our faith in him. So if we struggle with 
keeping peace with others, if we struggle with forgiving each other, the real struggle is probably how much room we allow him, who is peace, to have in our life. See, I think the degree to which we experience peace with each other, the degree to which we are able to keep peace with, it, with each other and extend forgiveness to one another, is directly proportional to how much we have surrendered to Jesus and to how much room we have given him in our lives. And you know, I know that is true in my life personally. When I, and yes, as a pastor, I struggle sometimes to really connect with Jesus. I struggle with consistent, quiet time, probably just as much as you do. And I tell you one thing, when I don't have my consistent time with Jesus, where I allow him to take this room in me and fill every corner and nook and cranny, you know who notices that right away? It's my wife. No, honey, don't shout amen. <laughs> but you know what? If I don't experience that, that peace with Jesus, it's really hard to keep peace at home. It's really hard to extend forgiveness and patience to my wonderful wife <laughs> and to my super kids. It, it shows right away. So the degree to which we surrender to Jesus is going to be the degree to which we experience peace with each other. So how much room are we willing to give the Prince of Peace in our lives? How much room do we give Jesus? See, if you have the Prince of Peace living in your heart, in your life, and I have the Prince of Peace living in my life, what Ephesians says here is, is that it makes us one. It makes us one. It says that we both now have access to the Father, which I think is just absolutely amazing and just mind-boggling that because we have Jesus in our life, we have access to the creator of the universe. I can step into his presence at any time, and so can you. And then we're going to fight there? You see? By having received his peace, by having access to him as our father, we have become one. We have become one family because we have the same father. It says he has brought those that were far and those that were close. He's brought you and he's brought me all the way from Germany and has made us one into one family. And that brings me to the, uh, to the third essential that we need to understand and that is not just did Jesus break down the walls of, of hostility between us not just is he our peace but now we belong to each other did you see that quote by Mother Teresa in the end we don't experience peace with each other because we don't realize that we belong to each other I want to read the, the, the last verses again of this passage consequently verse 19 to 22 consequently you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with, Jesus, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He talks about citizenship here as an illustration that we have become citizens of the same country in a sense 
And you know, citizenship is an interesting thing. I remember traveling for the first time back to the, to the U.S. I, in my job before here, I had to travel quite a bit. And I remember traveling for the first time after 9-11. It was about six weeks later. Traveling had changed quite a bit. I don't know if you traveled internationally then. It changed quite a bit. And I remember the first time I, I went to the airport and just the security was just incredible. And you know how they had these multiple checkpoints at every, at every airport. I mean, you had to go through three, four checkpoints to even just get to your gate and onto the plane. And, and you know, when you uh, traveled during that time in the United States with a last name like Koshite, um, uh, let's just say I often got randomly picked for additional security measures. Oh, Mr. Cockshaw, you have been randomly picked for additional... And, you know, they would take me aside. I almost missed planes as a result of it. And it was just crazy. And you know what they wanted to see every time? It's this. This is my German passport. All right, and here's, uh, here's a picture of me. And it, it says where I, where I was born and what citizenship I have. And this is what they wanted to see every time. You know why? You know what they really wanted to know at each of these checkpoints? They wanted to know, where does he belong? Who is he and where does he belong? See, that's what citizenship really is about. It's part of who you are and and where you belong. And the Bible is very clear that if we have accepted this peace through Jesus with God, that we become, that we get a new identity. We have a new place where we belong. We're all of a sudden part of, of God's kingdom, of his citizenship, and of his family. And our differences have been reconciled. And, and now what binds us together, which is his Holy Spirit in us, is so much stronger than, than anything else that might separate us. What binds us together is God's Holy Spirit and He gives us the strength to be at peace with each other because we belong together and we belong to one another. We can have peace with each other. We can have peace with each other. Again, in, in, in my extensive traveling in the last few years, it took me all over the world, really, And you know, one thing that struck me everywhere I went, I would meet people that I had never seen before, but they were followers of Jesus. And there was an immediate bond that is just really supernatural and hard to explain unless you've experienced it. I remember one time I was actually flying in the U.S. I was flying from Dallas to Seattle on a late night flight and I got stuck next to a guy and he wanted to have a conversation. I wasn't really all that interested, but... I did anyway, and we realized that we were both believers, and immediately there was this connection we had, and, and we've been in touch to this day. There's a supernatural bond that binds us together, and we belong to each other. And you know, when we entered this country, eventually last September 13th, you know, we, we needed something in this passport to, to come in here and stay here. It's a visa. Let me see if I can find it. Here it is. They wanted to see this. You know, this is, what this was was a temporary 
permit. And then I got a green card, which doesn't make me a citizen. It just allows me to be here for the next 10 years. And then during this time, I have to prove my worthiness to be here. Seriously, I, I do something stupid. I'm out of here. <laughs> so if I'm not here next Sunday, <laughs> someone talk to Dave about that. You know. But uh, you know what's the beauty about citizenship with God? There is no temporary visas. There is no green cards that can be revoked and have to be reapplied for. It's final. It's eternal. That is who you are. That's who you become. That's your new identity that cannot be taken away. It isn't what you do anymore. It's who you have become by having accepted peace with God. You have become one. And with citizenship come privilege, but also responsibilities. And there's, there is rules that govern the peaceful living with each other in any, in any country, really. And in the citizenship of, of God, you have the right not to be accused and judged and condemned. Does that sound peaceful to you? It sounds peaceful to me. The Bible says there is now no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's a right that comes with citizenship by, in God's kingdom. You have the right to belong. You have a right to serve in your area of giftedness. You have a right to give your life away to others. But there's also responsibilities. And one responsibility is that there is no right for individual independence. Because it's a threat to our peace with each other. You see, peace with each other in, in God's kingdom is so important. Because when we have conflict with each other as followers of Jesus, because we have become one, conflict between two of us affects everybody. Because we've become one. Imagine an orchestra that's playing a beautiful symphony and everybody plays his part. And they have their music and they, they follow it. And there's purpose because they're following this. And it just sounds amazing if you've ever listened to an orchestra play a beautiful symphony by a German composer. <laughs> But you see, all of a sudden, the trombone player decides, you know what? I think I have a better idea. I'm, I'm going to improve this a little. And I don't like how this sounds. Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit something different. You know what's going to happen? It's going to affect the whole orchestra. People are going, what, what's going on? What are you doing? Man, that doesn't sound right. But you know what? It doesn't just affect the orchestra, the members of that orchestra. You know who else it affects? It affects the people listening. People who might have thought, man, that sounds awesome. I should get into that. All of a sudden, think, whoa. Oh, I think I've heard enough. <laughs> you see, that's why it is so essential that we as, as followers of Jesus who have become one, are at peace with each other because it affects everyone else in that body and it affects those watching and listening. So if you follow Jesus, who is our peace, and he lives in you, and I follow Jesus, who is peace, and he lives in me, then how can we not live at peace with each other? It's because we don't give him the room that he wants and needs. It's because we're making independent decisions apart from him and apart from the needs of others. 
it's back to pride. So we, we can't have peace with each other because Jesus has broken down the walls of hostility. We can't have peace because Jesus is our peace. And we can't have peace because we're one, we belong to each other. It, does, it sounds so easy, doesn't it? It sounds like, well, it should just happen, right? And it doesn't. Why is it so hard? We all want it, right? Who wants peace? Okay, everybody. I think that was pretty much everybody. And it's possible. Why is it not happening? And why is it so hard? It's because you and I are proud. And because we make selfish choices that hurt others, that hurt ourselves, and that cause conflict. We all do it. Not a single one of us is, is innocent in that. And you see, we can't control what others do. Right? Peace is always a, two, a two-way street. We, but we can't control the choices others make. But what can we control? We can control the choices that, that we make. You can control your own choices. Romans 12, 18 says this. It says, if it's possible, if it is possible, do all that you can to be at peace with everyone. See, it doesn't say, hey, make sure that, that Lindquist is at peace with everyone. No. Or make sure that your wife is, is at peace with everyone. No, it says, if possible, you, you Christian, and you make sure that you, as far as it depends on you, that you are at peace with everyone. And that is hard. And it takes humility. See, pride wants to get even, Right? Pride wants to get even, and pride demands justice. But you know what? If God had demanded justice, you and I couldn't experience peace with him. Justice wouldn't have been peace with him. Justice would have been punishment. 1 Corinthians 6, 7 it's talking about conflict, and it's, he's, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth who has a lot of conflict with each other. They're taking each other to court and suing each other, and this is what he says to them. He says, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? And instead you wrong each other and you cheat. Whoa, that goes so against the way I was raised of getting even. And not letting yourself be taken advantage of, right? right? Isn't that what our dads told us? Ooh, don't you stand up for yourself, boy. But Paul encourages us, why, why not give in? Why not be wronged? Why not be cheated? You know what? If Jesus hadn't been willing to be wronged, you and I would not be here this morning. We would not have a conversation about having peace with God. We would not be having a conversation about having peace with each other. If Jesus hadn't been willing to be wronged, to not get even, to not fight back, goes totally against our thinking. So I want to ask you, what, what walls of hostility do you have in your life? What walls are you building, even maybe as we speak? What are these walls and, and who are they separating you from? Is it a parent? Is it a spouse? A child? A co-worker? Your boss? 
a neighbor? Who are you being separated from because of walls that we're not willing to allow Jesus to break down? And then one practical thing I think that we can do, and that this is probably the best advice I can give you. If there is this person that's just so hard to be at peace with, that's so hard to get along with, and I know you're thinking of someone right now. I hope it's not me, <laughs> honey. Um, one advice I want to give you to take steps towards letting Jesus break down this barrier, you know what it is? Pray for that person. And I guarantee you, it's super hard to harbor resentment against somebody you're praying for. Start praying for that person. Start praying for a softening of your own heart. Start praying for humility and the willingness to not demand justice, a willingness not to want to get back. And pray for the willingness and ability to forgive. And you see, the more room through that we, we give Jesus, the more we will be able to have his forgiveness for people and his humility to endure injustice and his peace to pass on to others. So how much room are we willing to give the Prince of Peace in our lives? How much room are we willing to give Jesus? And I know sometimes it feels so good to intentionally not do that. Said so No, that anger kind of feels good, doesn't it sometimes? The intentional harboring of anger. How willing are we to, to let go of that safety net? How willing are we to allow Jesus to soften that? And how willing are we to forgive? Because you know what? We as a church depend on your willingness to be at peace with each other. Because it will affect everyone around us. In closing here, I want to show you a video that's just a, it's a true story and it's a real powerful example of how Jesus, even if in this incident it was temporary, but how Jesus can break down the most extreme circumstances of, of hatred. Let's watch this video together. speak English? Yes, a little. Wonderful. Uh, we were talking about a, a ceasefire for Christmas Eve. What do you think?
The outcome of this war won't be decided tonight. I don't think anyone would criticize us for laying down our rifles on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Frohe Weihnachten. Frohe Weihnachten. Yeah. This, this is my wife. Combien, euh, combien vous devez tirer de, de cartouches par jour Combien Ah 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 8 8 ah. Et vous, combien 7 7 7 et 8 Nous 5 Ça m'étonne pas. J'étais heureux de vous connaître. Peut-être euh, d'autres circonstances. On aurait pu... Euh... On aurait pu peut-être. Mais peut-être vous viendrez boire un verre de bavin en touriste. Alors... Bonne chance. Toi aussi. powerful true story about how what they had in common the celebrating of Jesus birth was able to break down at least for a short time a part of a, a great wall of hostility in the, uh, sen in the sense of peace this morning I'll, I'll, I won't tell any French jokes 
Um, but obviously, you know that this was Germans and, and French during World War I. But you know what? They, um, they didn't allow Jesus to really permanently break down those walls. But having his peace in our hearts, we can permanently break down these walls. And I want to leave you this morning with a few verses from Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And then we'll, we will um, sing some songs together. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We can have peace with each other. So now we want to invite you to stand with us and, and worship the Prince of Peace together. And we're gonna, uh, going to take the offering here during this first song. It's an opportunity for us to, to worship by putting our trust in Him for, for our finances. And, and also, if you want to respond to us this morning, if you want to, we have a little tear-off in the, in the program. If you... If you want to know more about how to experience this peace with God that enables us to have peace with each other, I'd welcome you to, to write that down there and drop it in with the offering uh, or come and talk to, to me afterwards. I'd love to, to talk to you. So let's, um, let's worship Jesus together. <laughs>